Warning, do not try this at home. We are professionals at having sex. (laughs) So Andrew and I are doing a lot of driving these days. A lot of time on the road means a lot of time bored. Bored often translates to horny. So of course there's roadhead involved. Of course I make a couple truckers look twice while making some content for OnlyFans using my vibe up front. And then of course... We remember this conversation that we had one time with somebody who asked us about road sex. Probably in one of those never have I ever games or some shit. But anyway, what is road sex? Sex while driving. Penis in vagina, hands on steering wheel, full on fucking cruising down the road. That's what I mean by road sex, okay? Dangerous? Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) No doubt. But um, mama didn't raise a bitch. So Andrew driving, hands on steering wheel, eyes down the road. I just like kind of scooch my leg over his lap and sit on his cock. I hopped on that dick and rode him while we cruising down I-80 through Nebraska. And I have no regrets. Welcome to motherfucking Sugar Pussy, you guys, season three. Another 20 episodes lie ahead of us. Who knows what they will uh, contain? I know some of what's going to be contained. I have maybe 10 of those episodes planned, and the rest is just uh, for exploring. This is how I, I do things. This is how I did the first first uh, 40 episodes, so it'll it'll keep working out for me, hopefully hopefully. This episode I'm really excited about. So I think ever since I started this podcast, I've kind of been alluding to wanting to do episodes that dive a little deeper into stuff like history. Mm, Crazy. I mean, what is the history of sex work? What is the history of exotic dancing? Some of you might know these things. And this is a podcast that I take moderately serious. So I love doing it. I love showing up every week. I love these episodes. It's also not something I make money from. I'm very clear about that. And so uh, I can't spend, you know, gobs of my time on it, but I can spend some time on it. It is something I'm passionate about and I want to do well. So with these episodes, when I'm talking about, you know, the history of something, I do research, obviously, and I put the putting that research in show notes for you. But it still isn't a research paper. I'm not writing a full research paper on this. Um, So you can find a lot more information online that I'm going to give you in these episodes, right? But it is fascinating. And I haven't gotten sick of listening to this yet. So I've pre-recorded some of these because I spent a couple hours researching and trying to figure out like a way to compile this information that wouldn't actually put you to sleep while you're driving and listening to these things so yeah hopefully you guys enjoy it some of you are going to hate it some of you are going to get super bored it's not super racy it is more informational uh but that's not all this season's going to be never fear i already have um a good interview for you guys coming up that i already did and i'm super excited about so i'm going to kind of you know mix in kink deep dive and these history episodes and interviews all together answer some of you guys questions you know have fun with it so that's what's in store for you 
for season three of Sugar Pussy. Thanks for being here. Oh my god, she's such a slut, that Ellie Ray. All she does is talk about sex. <sighs> Hooker. Nightwalker. Curtison. Femme Fatale. Painted Lady. Jilt. Whore. Harlot. Escort. Sex Worker. Oh, don't mind me. These are just ten terms for wicked women. <laughs> so wait, so wait, so wait. Prostitution? We're talking about prostitution? You mean the world's oldest profession? Now, now, now. Calm your titties. Calm your titties. The world's oldest profession is actually just something penned by this old dude named Rudyard Kipling um, in his short story, On the City Wall, published in 1909. It actually doesn't really have any merit at all. I mean, other than, I mean, I guess he also published The Jungle Book, but I don't know really how children's stories <laughs> and having the authority to pen the world's oldest profession relate to each other. But let's just say it got on. But anyway, no, 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 no. Sex work is actually not the world's oldest profession. Um, personally, my vote would go to t- Toolmaker. I think Toolmaker's probably uh, take the cake on world's oldest profession. That would be... That would be my guess. I think that actually primitive societies were more interested in survival. And if a man wanted to nut, he'd probably just rape rape a hoe. Honestly, that sounds really brutal. But the rest of this episode is going to be really brutal. But what's interesting is absolutely no sex work is documented in primitive societies. So genuinely, it was not a thing for them. There were more important things and... I'm sticking with my vote for for Toolmaker. But in this episode, let's talk about the history of prostitution. Um, Let's talk about the history of sex work. It's going to be a heavier episode. It's going to have some rough parts. Not all of it is fun and dandy and pretty. A lot of it is very not pretty. There's a lot of (sighs) hardship. There's a lot of hurt involved in history just history of women in general right and then when you're looking at the history of prostitution there's there's a lot of there's a lot of cringy horrible things that you have to talk about but I also think that not only is it interesting because it is history it actually happened it's also interesting if you are ever talking about sex worker prostitution talking within this space or if you are a sex worker or have engaged in sex work it's it's good to know this stuff and if you're going to be engaging in conversations and also if this is something that you do or talk about you're probably interested in the history regardless so yeah bear with me I'm going through six pages worth of notes in this episode Uh, I did a lot of research I did hours worth of research and I didn't even scratch the surface I am by no means a historian. I am by no means an expert. And, you know, I had to limit myself. I'm not making money with this podcast. So please, I know there are holes. I know I'm missing things. I know I could go deeper. Uh, But this is 
this is where I landed for this episode. I'm proud of it. And I think that it's actually really interesting and it covers quite a bit. So hopefully you can learn something with me during this process. And hopefully that you, you leave this. And even though I'm not talking about, you know, how to give a hand job or how to give a blow job or anything super racy or exciting in this episode, I really hope you enjoy it because I've wanted to do episodes like this ever since I started the podcast. So after five minutes about talking about what I'm going to talk about, I'm actually, I'm actually going to start you guys, I promise. So let's back up to 3000 BC. Yeah, 3000 BC, okay? That's a long time ago. But anyway, in clay tablets clay tablets there's mentioned a woman and she's called Lilith she is a demon okay she's a demon in Uruk which is now Iraq sent by a goddess to quote get men from the streets (laughs) she originally was worshipped but later condemned as a prostitute and that little tidbit is what I find interesting because As we go through the histories, there's so much up and down. Hey, we can make money from legalizing prostitution. We should do it. Hey, this thing is like really bad and shameful. Hey, this thing is actually like what we're blaming for STIs. Hey, but like we can get money if we legalize brothels. Why don't we do it? There is so much back and forth, back and forth. And then you have religion coming into the mix. And then you have politics coming into the mix. And it's just like endless up and downs. Legalize it. Nope. Let's um, cut women's noses off. We're going to get to that. Uh, legalize it. Nope. Let's burn them alive. Legalize it. Nope. Um, nope. Actually, no. Not at all. We're, we're, we're going to arrest these women off the streets because they're, they're infecting our soldiers. Um evil women, wicked women, unholy now. It just is so much back and forth that this little, um, their first Lilith back 3000 BC was first worshipped and then condemned as a prostitute is the most wild and interesting thing in my brain. Um, and I know that that's probably not the most interesting thing to you, but it was <laughs> to me. So now we're going to jump forward to 2400 BC, the Sumerian word karkid is the word for female prostitute. That is K-A-R dot K-I-D, if you want to look it up. And it appears in the lists of professions. That's that little tidbit. Bump all the way to the 600s BC. And Mr. Statement philosopher Kuang Chung started commercial brothels to increase income in China. <laughs> Smart man, Mr. Kuang Chung. I think, anyway, I, I think it should be legal everywhere. <laughs> in 594 BC, Sullen the Great, an Athenian legislator, legalized prostitution, apparently to protect marriages, prevent adultery, and my personal favorite, quote, unlimit satisfaction of all extramarital sexual desire, unquote. Mr. Solon, the great Ellie Ray approves. <laughs> I do think that in that little quote quote, for men should probably be included. I mean, probably for back in 
594 BC. <laughs> but I do approve of extramarital sexual desire with stipulations like safety and consent, obviously. But yeah, yeah, it has the uh, Ellie Ray stamp of appro- approval. Let's um, let's get back to official sugar pussy records. 400 BC. Um, hang me. I don't know how to pronounce this. I did not research proper pronunciation. I apologize for that. Uh, it is heterai, H-E-T-A-I-R-A-I. Anyway, these women in ancient Greece were known as female companions. They would be taught by the older women how to entertain men and be interesting. What I love about this is that many of them ended up becoming actual wives for the the men that they serviced as well, which I think is pretty cool. That's pretty cool for them. Pretty cool for them. Actually, Greece has a really long history of prostitution. And unfortunately, I don't have the dates on when these lovely ladies existed. But kind of similar, actually, to Heteri. Um, They were known, these women were known as Elutrites. Okay, and they were women who were skilled singers and dancers, as well as skilled in the art of sexual pleasure, of course. And they would be hired to entertain private parties and meetings, apparently earning the equivalent of several thousand dollars in a single evening's worth of work. So, I mean, that's pretty neat. <laughs> I would do that. 180 BC. Roman regulations, baby. They were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. You can sell sex if you want. That is, however, super shameful. So, like, are you sure you want to? Basically, they were like, okay, okay, you can. But you have to register um, and give up all of your respectability in this world. And at the sheriff's office, the girl would ha- the girl would go through shaming and be told, like, you don't have to do this. Please don't do this. Try to turn your life around before the girl would finally be like, oh, my God, just fucking put my name down so I don't get in trouble. And then eventually they would put her name down on this never return to civilization with respect list. And failure to register would result in scourging a fine and exile. So, like... They would try to talk you out of it and shame you for it. But if you don't do it, <laughs> off you go. Mm. Okay, but that is the last I have for BC. <sighs> Breathe. <sighs> We're on page two, guys. We're on page two. So let's talk about the 500s. 534, Justinian and Theodora. Byzantine Empire, known for their religious freedom and freeing sex slaves. Well, I mean, now they're going to be known for that because Emperor Justinian the Great married a former prostitute. I think that's fucking awesome, personally. I think that's like very progressive for 534. And I have a lot of respect for that. And then, but together, their most notable like things that they did at least for sugar pussy context would be banish procuruses and brothel keepers from the capital grant freedom to slaves forced into prostitution and they banned sex in public bathhouses so i mean she i mean they <laughs> together did some pretty cool things i think 
there were also some kind of rough seas things in the 500s too, though. For example, in Spain, due to Catholicism, prostitution is criminalized, and women who were caught would be flogged and expelled from the town. Interestingly enough, I don't really have much more in between like the 500s and where my next note is 1158, the Holy Roman Army. Women who were caught prostituting, they get their noses cut off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard that correctly. They <laughs> would get their noses cut off in an effort to make them less desirable and beautiful. Um, I feel like there are less harmful ways that you could do that. Maybe, like, shave her hair off or something. But, uh, nope, they would <laughs> they would snip snip their whole ass noses off. Oh, oh, I forgot. I should mention sometimes, sometimes if a man was caught with a prostitute, he would lose a finger or he would lose an eye. But I think the key word in that is um, sometimes. <sighs> 1161 in England. Henry II, my man, he regulates prostitutions. He did things like, oh, prohibits forced prostitution. And my personal favorite in the same note, holiday brothel closures. Yeah, very important. Very important. 1200, very interesting piece of history here. Alfonso IX, the Castilian ruler, rather than humiliating the prostitute as the only way to shut it down, as we've seen so far... He concentrated on actually punish, punishing those who profited from prostitution, which is, you know, going in the right direction now. So, for example, someone selling prostitutes would be exiled from the kingdom. Brothel keepers were forced to free the women. Husbands who prostituted their wives were executed. Pimps would be flogged for the first offense. After that, off to the galleys with you. And, of course, women who supported pimps... They would be publicly flogged, and their clothes would be destroyed. I found it really interesting when I was doing my research how often it would specifically note that their clothes would be taken or destroyed or burned. Like, that was such a common thing. Like, let's leave you nude in the street to be beaten up and raped. But we've cleansed the city of prostitution. (laughs) (sighs) So now we're in 1254 in France. Prostitution or, quote, women of evil life is abolished. 1299. Turkish bathhouses. This is actually one of my favorite factoids included in this episode. Young boys called telex, telox, would help massage and wash their male clients as well as service them sexually, and they would be paid well for it. Sodomy was illegal. But handies and blowies from little boys was apparently okay. (laughs) Fuck. I, okay, okay. I like that, though, because there is so little in history and the records, at least that I found, about male prostitutes and prostitution that's documented or talked about at all. But they're definitely part of it, right? Um, They are. It's just, it's, it's hard to find information about it. So that's something that is documented and that's why I like it. It is a little cringe cringe, though. Let's stop here and mention, because this is about the time period where Renaissance Italy comes into play really quick. I don't have exact dates for, for all of this information, but I really liked this little factoid I found that Curtisans, they lived 
a better life than many women in Renaissance Italy because they were extremely educated. They were taught to be able to fit in these roles and hold philosophical conversations and discuss poetry. They were considered very classy. And they were also, of course, very skilled in the art of sexual pleasure, as we put it earlier. But they were they were so prominent and they had such a good place in society at times at times there's there's always stipulations to these things right but many times they would actually impact the politics of the time because of their influence on men which I think is super cool super cool that's my personal opinion to think it's super cool but like yeah there's there's limited good things in this episode you're gonna find that out later but there's a lot of depressing shit so that is a non-depressing shit piece of fact. So um, I like to talk about that one. 1350. Venice realizes they can make money on brothels. Florence is like, hold up, hold up. Venice is making money on brothels. We want to make money on brothels. So they follow suit in 1403. And then Siena is like, hold up. Let's not, um, let's not miss this opportunity. And they do the same thing in 1421. Amsterdam has some crazy history back and forth when it comes to prostitution. They really didn't like it for the most part. But most notably, the factoid I want to mention is that in 1413, prostitutes found outside of their their allowed place of work would get two warnings before being burned alive. Alas, the syphilis outbreak starting in 1490 caused quite a reaction against prostitution. This started in 1490 and continues to your present day baby we're gonna talk about this a lot actually this is the first of a lot of conversation around this trust me the 1500s saw tiers start to form of prostitution tiers of prostitution so for example you have your common whore versus your courtesan and you start to really define themselves in the late 1500s we have Religions handling things differently. For example, Pope Sixtus V sets in place the death penalty for prostitution. For Lutherans, they preferred shaving of both hair and ears. And for Calvinists, it was branding. Um, They liked to burden with stones. So like, ow. And then (laughs) they employed the stocks. All right. 1617, Japan establishes their red light district. America from 1699 to 1917 didn't actually have much as far as laws against prostitution. Did they accept and love and embrace prostitution? No, definitely not. But official offenses usually resorted to laws against adultery. Uh, However, Massachusetts, uh, they're an exception. They did have a law against night walking. Although... It wasn't until 1917 that they were actually able to punish a prostitute. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting. Um, Spin houses were all the rage in the 1700s. They are essentially prisons for women where they were forced to knit and sew. Listen to this, though. For a nickel, you could pay to watch like they're animals in a zoo. And if you were really lucky you would get to see one of them beaten. Because, you know, I mean, women in repentance and (laughs) trying to relearn how to be a proper woman in society, they definitely need to be beaten. 
Um, that's just part of learning how to be a proper ladylike woman. <laughs> Fuck. In 1964, Britain passes their Contagious Disease Act. This allowed police to arrest prostitutes for compulsory STI screenings. Remember how I said the whole syphilis thing, <laughs> blaming prostitutes thing? Mm-hmm. We're continuing that conversation now. Well, we're going to talk a lot more about it later, actually. But one fact about this is many, many women reported being arrested and harassed about this when they weren't prostitutes. Of course. August 14th, 1885. Britain Criminal Law Act. Mm, set in place. Quote, to protect. June 25th, 1910, we get our beloved and well-named Man Act. It's a federal law against, quote, prostitution or debauchery or for any other immoral purpose. In 1917, it was found that a huge number of soldiers were infected with STIs. Officials were horrified. And, of course, they had to fix the problem and laws aimed at women would do the trick, right? So they banned sex work within five miles of every military camp in the country, naming it the Moral Zone. Alas, they were shocked to learn that most of the men had actually been infected back in their hometowns, so they worked to expand it to the whole nation. But wait, there's more. They became baffled and even more horrified to learn it actually wasn't just professional prostitutes that had done this evil. So now they had to figure out how to purify all women because all women are infecting their men. Oh my god. Thus the American plan is born. Okay, In, eight, in 1918, the U.S. Chamberlain Con Act. Okay, This was kind of taken off of Britain's idea of forced medical examinations that we mentioned a few minutes ago. And they pushed all the states to pass this model law and it, it basically enabled officers to arrest anyone, quote, reasonably suspected of having an STI. This meant many women were just being arrested off the streets, taken to hospitals, held for hours, if not overnight, regardless of if they were positive or negative testing, just because they were suspected, they were arrested, right? The thing about this, even though it happened, like, hundred years ago most of the records have been quote lost or destroyed because it's just such an unpretty part of our history right funny how that kind of shit happens <sighs> but there is a recorded day a single day where almost two dozen women were arrested off the streets of sacramento in a single day all of them but one tested negative obviously they were just arrested because they were out, basically, and officers wanted to. That was, that's really the only reasons. But the, basically, the fact that they were all clean, except for one, essentially proves the fact that these women were just being harassed under this law for no decent reason, right? It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Now, what's even worse is if a woman, if a woman did test positive, they'd be locked away in an institution. They could be forced to stay there for days if not months and some of the surviving records say that they were injected with mercury forced to ingest arsenic based drugs which were common treatments for syphilis 
during early parts of the century. And, of course, like we were talking with the spin houses, not being ladylike, are you misbehaving? Well, a good beating will fix that. Being doused with cold water will fix that. Or let's um, throw them into solitary confinement. There are even reports of women being sterilized in these places. And if a woman tested positive, it was likely that she'd be accused of prostitution. All right, we've strayed a little ways away from the history of prostitution. That's kind of skirting the lines, but also not really because they were tied together. So I'll leave it. I'll leave it. It's okay. But it gets worse. In Japan, we're at 1932, by the way. There's this thing, there was this thing in history that everybody was like, holy shit, that was bad. And it was the rape of Nanking, okay? Japanese soldiers raped between 20,000 and 80,000 Chinese women during a six-week-long massacre of the city of Nanking. And Japan became so worried about their reputation, they expanded their comfort women brothels. Their recruitment of women was through coercion, kidnapping, rounding them up at gunpoints. A lot of Korean and Chinese women were used in brothels set up all over Asia for Japanese soldiers. By 1947, between 20,000 and 410,000 women were enslaved in these brothels as comfort women. And Japan really tried to hide the whole thing. They tried to say this didn't exist, this didn't happen. They destroyed a lot of records, and that is why we don't know how many women. That is why there's such a giant range in there. And it wasn't until the late 1900s that enough women had come forward with their stories that Japan was forced to admit that they existed. 90% of the women, these comfort women, died mostly from STIs, brutal treatment, and suicide, and just bad conditions, bad health. Uh, These women's stories are super sad and super depressing, and I'm going to warn you, if you look them up and read them, you'll learn a lot. You're also going to be very depressed, because they make statements along the lines of how they never got any rest. They were raped every minute. So it's pretty brutal. It's very sad. And I think it's ironic how Japan set those up to hopefully help their reputation. And instead, well, that's what, that's what they get. Although it was illegal, Hawaii pretty much ignored that fact. And they had as many to, as 250 brothels open and thriving between 1941 and 1944. Most people actually highly approved of them for a number of reasons. But Governor Steinbeck shut them down. Fuck that guy. In 1946, Japan finally ended indentured servitude for the red light district. In 1959, Britain legalizes prostitution. In 1971, Nevada regulates their brothels. Yay! In 1973, prostitution rights groups began to form. January 1st, 1999, the Swedish approach is formed and people are like hey that's kind of cool basically that was just only the customer should be considered criminal march 17th 1999 denmark decriminalizes 
October 1st, 2000, Netherlands begins to legalize brothels. 2002, Germany reforms laws, says that, hey, pimping legalized with a formal contract. And hey, maybe prostitutes should even be able to sue for non-payment. June 25th, 2003, New Zealand decriminalizes. November 2004, Berkeley, California votes 63.51% against decriminalization. Ha, alas, swing and a miss. November 2008, San Francisco, California again votes. And then this time it's 57.56% against decriminalization. I mean, I suppose there's a tiny improvement there. January 1st, 2009, Norway bans purchase of sex. June 24th, 2009, Taiwan legalizes prostitution. December 11th, 2009, male prostitutes become legal in Nevada brothels. September 28th, 2010, Canada is like, hey now, banning brothels and soliciting sex is kind of unconstitutional. We should stop that. August 26th, 2013, Zurich sex boxes. December 6th, 2014, Canada bans purchase of sex, but again, not the sale of. And France is like, hey, Canada, that was pretty cool. They do the same thing April 6th, 2016. Did somebody, did somebody say sex boxes? Yeah, so the Swiss (laughs) decided to set up drive-in sexy time, (laughs) space, specific space, with tax dollars. They spent tax dollars on this. They set up drive-in prostitute spaces. I think that's fucking cool. Fucking cool. And over time, it's become more and more luxurious. It used to be like, the sex would happen in the car. Now they've added beds. (laughs) Like, wow. And And the boxes are equipped with an alarm system. And they're super safe. There haven't been any major incidents yet. And... Basically, you drive up, you pick your lady, you discuss a price, you drive to your little box and, you know, engage in some fun time. Fun time. You guys, when can the U.S. get that, right? The U.S. has a ways to go, that's for sure. And um, I hope we get there. That is Ellie Ray's compilation for you guys of the history of sex work. Obviously, there's a ton that could be added. There are perspectives that could be added, an analysis that could be added. And you could dive into each and every one of those facts that I presented with you and be like, all right, this was law. What did it actually look like? Or, all right, this is what we're ta- we're talking about. But what was society like? So, how is this actually affecting people and how is this actually affecting sex workers so you can dive into this obviously so much deeper i would love to do that absolutely i would love to do that i would love to do that and pull an expert on here and have their opinions of it so maybe that's in the future but as i was compiling my research and thinking about how can i present this in an entertaining way on the podcast how can i do this I was just looking at the information and I was like, honestly, this, this is an episode just like this. This is enough for people to get a grasp on this is not that far removed from where we are today. 
I mean, horrors were happening not that long ago. And when you understand that, when you have a timeline of when things were happening and what the thought process behind it was, right? So when you're kind of understanding those mentalities or the reasons behind it and how it wasn't that long ago that this this stuff was happening and people were persecuting for it, then you kind of understand, okay, it's understandable that the world is still so uncomfortable with this, even where we are at today. I mean, society still is so anti sex work it's such a controversial thing still it's so taboo still and so in order to fight that in order to work against that and create a better better world for all we have to understand why we have this situation because even in places where it's decriminalized or it's legal it's still taboo and there's a reason for that and understanding that reason understanding how it hasn't been that long that it's been legal it hasn't been that long since it's been decriminalized all of those positive changes I said at the very end of the the podcast I said it at the very end like in the last 20 years that this stuff was finally being fixed right that's not that long and understanding that helps us grasp why things are the way they are and how we can really approach things to make them better anyway I'm going to stop rambling. Uh, But I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I hope that I didn't bore you to death. I hope that you learned something and this wasn't all like obvious knowledge to everybody. I know I learned a ton and I really enjoyed compiling this episode. For more, follow the podcast wherever you're listening. Spotify, Apple, Google. And then you'll get a happy little notification every time one gets posted. Also, follow the Instagram at SugarPussPod. Follow my personals, Ellie Ray, on Instagram. It is at its.ellie.ray. And on Twitter, I am at its underscore Ellie Ray. Not too hard. Just just look up its Ellie Ray and, and you'll find me. That's It's pretty much that simple. <laughs> In other news, there will probably be another Twitter that I'll kind of like whisper in your ear a little bit. And then never mention it again popping up because drum roll, please. Drew and Ellie are starting an OnlyFans. Oh, <gasps> more on that next week, bitches.